0: Listen. This morning's with Ian Smith minus Smithy. He's still coming down from the high of calling Glenn Maxwell at the Cricket World Cup. My name is Daniel McCarty. Uh, we take you through till midday. We being Louis Herman Watt, who's feverishly working the phones in the background uh, as we try to give you... Um, a great little taste of the Melbourne Cup a little bit uh, later in the program. So uh, we've pushed them up the order, pushed them up the order, pushed it up the order. Is probably a better way of describing it. Generally at about ten forty, we do the bulletin of the fine New Zealand sports media mind. Uh, our good friend Patrick McIndraw joins the program out of TVNZ. Pat, good to hear from you, mate. How you doing? Daniel, I'm well, mate. Thank you. I've been back uh, in town
1: oh, a few days now after after the World Cup arrived back in town on Friday. So, yeah, getting, getting over the jet lag and um, back in the swing of things, mate. How
0: was that as an experience for you, professionally? You loved it? It was, um, yeah, I've been to a few now. Uh, lucky, luckily
1: for me, I've, I uh, attended the one in New Zealand in 2011 and the UK and four years later and then Japan and now this one. Um, so it's, it's always a privilege to, to be able to, to get on the ground and, and cover these events because, you know, they're remarkable. And um, you sort of go through the highs and lows a little bit with the players. Like, I don't know how they feel about that final. Um, the first two nights I was at home, I dreamt about that final, like almost as if I had oh, PTSD no. or something ridiculous. Yeah. So, I, I can you know, I can thoroughly empathise with how devastated the players were feeling because um, it was a remarkable performance, you know, to to get so close when everything was staked against them.
0: I think we need to do a talk back segment tomorrow, Louis, on strange sporting dreams. Patrick McHendry dreaming about the Rugby World Cup. We had Sam Wells, national cricket selector, telling us yesterday he, he has a recurring nightmare about being timed out in cricket because he can't get his pads and gloves on. We're, we're strange beasts, those people who are, you know, involved and surrounded by sport 365 days a year. <laughs> hey, Pat, hey, you, you're still sort of breaking stories about uh, the Rugby World Cup disturbing story you've unearthed about Ian Foster's wife and one of his daughters. That pretty scary situation in France, fair to say. Yeah, 100%. Um, I heard a whisper when I was
1: in Paris, um, but I just didn't really have enough info to, to stack it up. Um, but I I, uh, I thought, you know, remarkable how Ian Foster, I, I thought he carried himself really well, um, just, just to sort of concentrate on him for a sec, um, dealing with that as well as the World Cup and everything that was going on uh, off the field. Um, you know, I, I was pretty impressed with Harry he carried himself given everything that's happened. He knew, obviously, he was going to be replaced whether he won the thing or not, and he got pretty damn close. Um, but all the off-field stuff, the, the hotel, that, that they, they really were staying apparently in, in some substandard accommodation. And before that first match and. Uh, in, against France in, in Paris for the opening World Cup match, um, they were staying, staying in a really um, sort of a, a tough part of town for some reason. They were assigned to a hotel, which after they stayed in, uh, no, no other team stayed in. It was taken out of the rotation. So, um, yeah, anyway, the, the unfortunately for uh, Ian's wife, Lee, and his daughter, McPaylor, they they were held up by a guy with a knife who was on something, according to to Ian, like, in other words, I think it was affected by drugs, to be honest. Um, Yeah. Which would have been a very, very scary experience, I would imagine. And even looking back, um, it it still would be, because you just don't know how these things are going to go. You know, completely unpredictable situation. So, yeah, I I got that story, and I I stacked it up when I got back in on uh, on Monday in the office. So, um, uh, and, you know, Ian's come out now and, and confirm that it happened and everyone, everyone's alright, and, and that it didn't sort of um, colour in a bad way his, his experience in France, um, so yeah, fortunate for everyone really.
0: Yeah, it puts everything in perspective in your family's immediate danger, I'm just so glad, and as we all are, that it, it, it ended as well as it possibly could, not that it is a good situation at all, it's darn scary. Uh, you know, we, I, we stayed in Cruteel, not far from where the All Blacks, it, it was a pretty miserable little uh, part of uh, Paris. Credit them not bitching and moaning about the uh, air conditioning, unlike the SENZ lead rugby commentator who commented uh, who, who bitched about it about three seconds after arriving at his hotel, uh, to anyone who would listen. Uh, Any hoot, um, hey, the, 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 the women's uh, XV won over this past weekend, you know, twofold, we, we can talk about the game or the off-field, let's talk about the rugby itself, the, the Black Ferns, I, I wasn't surprised England beat them. I, I was expecting England to win. I was quite surprised by the margin. Um, was that performance from a New Zealand perspective nearly good enough, though? Uh,
1: no, I don't think so. They, they. Uh, to be fair, I, I only watched the second half, um, yeah. so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm making a few assumptions here. But what I did see. Was the black ferns getting themselves well and truly back into that match at 1912, and you think, right, the momentum's changed here. They've got a fairly sparse crowd behind them, but it's nevertheless, a crowd behind them, uh, and they, you know, uh, they could take advantage of potentially a big, a big England pack. They could tire uh, in the in the last quarter. Unfortunately for them really inaccurate stuff. Like drop dropping kickoffs, mucking up exits, you know, after after putting themselves in that position and it just very quickly went away from them. So they'll they'll be pretty disappointed about that. I know they've sort of they think that things are, are mitigated a little bit by the by the youth in their team, but still. Um so pretty experienced players in there nevertheless and I think they'll be pretty disappointed by that performance to be honest. And I mean clearly England are are a good side. They deserve to win it. Uh, pretty happy, obviously, afterwards, too, by the looks of things. But um, yeah, but pretty disappointing by the
0: back Yeah, of course. What six-time world champions? You know, most successful uh, rugby team mm. ever. Uh, yeah, sorry, South African rugby fans. That's a fact. They've won six. Um, um, right. But when you can, but when we spread our talent across the fifteens and sevens, it looks like to me we're battling. We are battling against the best.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and look at um it look clearly our skill set suits running style that's so suitable for, for seven the sevens game. Um we just don't seem to have the massive um forwards and tight forwards that um that England can put out. Um we do have a pretty talented first five though in Ruhay Damont who uh former women's player of the year. Um But uh, even so, uh, England's kicking game was probably better than New Zealand's, and I I guess, to some extent, we'll we'll have to take a little bit of responsibility for
0: that. Uh, Sparse crowds have been highlighted throughout this tournament. English captain Marley Packer calling the supporters' turnout disappointing. Now, uh, World Rugby's director of women's rugby, Sarah Horrocks, um, also quoted as saying, there is a degree of introducing the competition to the public. I have every confidence there... I can see the appetite is there. The fan base needs to grow. It will grow. It will evolve in time. This is the first time the competition has come to town. Um, I'm uncertain how hungry the sporting public is, though. I can see growth, but how big is that growth? Uh, timing of the tournament wasn't probably great, so there's a few mitigating factors. But yeah, what, what's your feelings, you know, in that sort of sphere, well, that, that that talking point?
1: I think the harsh truth is that they were probably a little bit optimistic um, about the crowds. Number one, we're obviously basing it on what what happened during the World Cup. The World Cup gripped the nation because it was a World Cup. Um, yeah. it, it gripped the nation because the it was a it was an incredible redemption story by the Black Ferns who went from zero to to heroes, didn't they? Uh, it was amazing. It was amazing to be a part of, and I, I was lucky enough to report on it the one it's not the World Cup there's a cost of living crisis going on globally New Zealand not immune to uh, on that and the timing itself was, was terrible during a World Cup and the way that the the, the final finished in New Zealand it would have been a huge turn off again uh, for crowds because you know, players are devastated, you've got journalists dreaming up about the bloody thing days later <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was a devastating, devastating way for it to finish. And I'm sure all of that played a part in, in, the, in, the, in the turnout to, uh, to those matches, which just, you know, on the face of it, weren't
0: as compelling, were they? Yeah, indeed. Um, Super Rugby Squad Naming Day. Shouldn't this just be a media day? Don't we just know the squads now? Do, do we think there are any yeah. surprises possible? You know, we, we've heard, had some great surprises. <laughs> oh, Lee Halfpenny, out of... Lee Halfpenny out of yeah. Wales. That's a cool surprise. That's novel.
1: Uh, and uh, Stephen Jones assisting Tana Umanga and Tom Comentary at, at Moana Pacifica. That's that's interesting too. But all, all the news has been sort of filtered through. has trickled out, isn't it? So I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think there are going to be many surprises tomorrow. So it's almost a bit of a damp squid, I, I think, in store, uh, unfortunately. But um, I guess it's another stepping stone towards the new... Super rugby season, it's going to be interesting too actually, because a lot of the teams are going offshore to play their pre-season matches, the Crusaders of yeah. course going up to Europe to play uh, uh, Bristol one or two Irish clubs I think um, but other other Guadal- or franchises going to Japan I think the Blues and Chiefs might be going um, already like the top players next year are going to be doing a hell of a lot of travelling and this is potentially going to compound it heading up there before the season even starts. So I think that's going to be quite interesting, the way that pans out for the players in terms of their welfare and um, uh, and when, the, when the, sort of the final sort of kicks off later in the year, um, how, how they're going to be sort of physically and mentally uh, up, up for such a crunch part of the season.
0: Uh, Patrick McKendry is uh, with us. This is the Bulletin. Uh, we'll get into one of his other specialty topics, boxing, in just a moment. But do you have any sense, and I've been banging the drum on this show, filling in for, for Smithy on this, you know, trying to speak directly to the All Blacks coaches. Let's not, you know, let's not completely forsake Super Rugby. You know, trust the coaches to rest their players themselves when they see fit. Let's try and have as much star calibre in that competition to give it a chance. Do you get any sense... Um, about how the next sort of All Blacks leadership group will value Super Rugby? Uh,
1: not really. Um, one of the more interesting things I've found was Scott Robertson saying it's inevitable that those would be selected for the All Blacks from offshore clubs. I remember he said that, um, I think it might have been last year uh, or, or the start of this year. Um, so... <laughs> It doesn't sound like it's valuing Super Rugby too much by itself. We'll um, just have to wait and see, I guess. Um, yeah. There's, there's a big, obviously a big collaborative approach between NZR and, and, and the franchises. They all work very closely together. That's part of the reason uh, why Super Rugby isn't a great spectacle because it's such a, a closed shop. Uh, I don't think there are any true rivalries because, uh, you know, it's all for the greater good, the All Blacks.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, you yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But, I mean, well, there is a rival, the Crusaders and everyone else, yep. everyone a- a- against yep. the Crusaders. Is yep. Louis Herman Watts probably nodding furiously, furiously in the background? Let's get to uh, boxing. Yep. Speaking of furious, I think that's called a segue. Tyson Fury, where's that guy's head off? Uh, head at after escaping one of the more embarrassing sort of upsets in the history of the sport. A
1: bit sore, I think. Um, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's why the uh, the massive matchup that the world wants to see, uh, the fight between him and Alexander Yusik, has been postponed. Uh, Originally, it was set down for December the 23rd uh, in Saudi Arabia. um, But because of the the, the beating that Fury got from Francis Ngannou, um, a, a, a UFC fighter who wasn't supposed to be a good boxer, Um, That has been postponed until next year, probably January or February, and that will be a fight for the undisputed Heavyweight World Championship, which no one's been undisputed champ since Lennox Lewis in 1999, so that is going to be huge. Uh, Unfortunately, it's been delayed, which is usually the way with uh, heavyweight boxing and Tyson Fury in particular. Uh, so yeah, that, that's where it's at I mean he's an unpredictable guy isn't he? You never know what's going to happen But um, apparently contracts have been signed So fingers
0: crossed Ah, oh, the pugilist specialist That brings back some memories Mr Lennox Lewis um, Let's hope that fight does bring Sort of some sanity back to the uh, the division How shocked were you at Nagano's performance?
1: Yeah, very um, I, I, I saw some video of him training and I'm pretty sure he, he must have been sandbagging Uh, to use a yachting term, because he looked terrible. Um, His his punches lacked any speed or power, um, but clearly it was a a tactic to um, lure Tyson into a bit of a a trap, and and he did it well. Um, The guy guy turned up in shape. He he seemed to know what he was doing. He rocked Fury with a big left hand, put him on the canvas, and was probably pretty unlucky not to to get the decision. Of course, um, I mean... There's just too much to, too much at stake for the judges, I think, to to, to give it to him. But that's how it works in this
0: game. <laughs> if the rumours are true, actually, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, you know how strong these rumours are. But is it worth the risk for Joe Parker to get in the ring with him? He certainly said, "Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested." But any any heavyweight boxer with their own salt should say they're interested. I would have thought.
1: I would snap his hand off because there's, there's a huge amount of money involved in it. Um, but I don't think I don't think Francis would take that fire. I think, to be honest, I think he'll wait for a rematch. where sure, the money is, and there's too much to risk, too much at risk for him to fight anyone else. Um, the interim, um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of money to, to be made, and, that, and that's the bottom line in every sense.
0: It's crazy to think a guy with one professional fight would be doing Joseph Parker the favour.
1: Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's the game, isn't it? It's about um, star power and views and how much money you can make. And, and Francis is the guy on the up. Uh, it's, it's quite a remarkable story, really, given where he's come from. Um, I was talking to a, a French uh, journalist colleague in Paris about about Francis, uh, an immigrant from Nigeria who um, who moved to to Paris when he was a teenager, and he and he endured, you know, a really tough life, and so. Yeah, good for him. He's really made something of himself, and he's a very wealthy man.
0: Pat, a real treat to have you on the show. Thanks so much, mate. Um, good luck with those nightmares, Daniel. Um, yeah, do you, yes. do you have any other sporting? No, no. No, do you have I'm, any other sporting re, recurring sporting nightmares that you need to to, to get off your chest?
1: Well, obviously we're heading into a long hot summer now, Daniel, and um, but that means cricket, and we've got obviously we've got the World, cricket World Cup going on, so. Know what, uh, we know
0: what. <laughs> black Caps are like a World Cup. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Louis chirping in my ear. Um, and yeah, some, he he knows he knows my kryptonite. Uh, th- great to That's chat, Pat. We'll one. catch up with you soon. T- take it easy, mate. Take okay, it, mate.